0: everyone and welcome to episode 204 of the mtg goldfish podcast it's seth probably better known as saffron olive and we have the full crew here today first off the owner of mtg goldfish richard how's it going today richard
1: what's up seth happy holidays happy happy
0: holidays to you new year's eve it is. It is New Year's Eve that we're recording, and uh, along with Richard, we also have content producer extraordinaire Krim. What's up, Krim?
2: <laughs> well, that's that's a title. All right, <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing great. Uh, how about you, Seth? And also, happy holidays to everyone.
0: Uh, yes, happy holidays. I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. I've I've got a little bit of a cold over the weekend, but I'm I'm doing pretty well. I have my cough drops, so uh, hopefully my voice holds out through the podcast. But uh, today. We have kind of an interesting cast. We're in this weird dead space. If you don't know, Wizards literally leaves like the week before Christmas and doesn't come back until January 2nd. Uh, Just the whole company has like a two-week break. So it's kind of a slow period. We're waiting for spoilers for Revnik Allegiances, which start on Wednesday. So today, we're going to talk about three things, mostly. Number one, we do have one spoiler card from Revnik Allegiance uh, that came out on Christmas, so we're going to talk about that. Then we want to talk a little bit about our experience grinding on Magic Arena, and then, to kind of wrap things up before Fishmail, want to go a little bit over 2018 and kind of do a year in review, talk about some of the big Magic things that happened, uh, looking back on them now that we have a little bit of context, and maybe look ahead a little bit to 2019 as well. So, before we jump into it, a reminder that today's show is brought to you by SpikesAcademy.com, the world's first Magic the Gathering e-learning academy. They have some really cool online courses from great players like PVDDR, Redo Teaching Modern. So you can join the Academy over at SpikesAcademy.com and even get 10% off with the cold goldfish. And to learn more, check out Spikes underscore Academy on Twitter. So th- thank you to Spikes Academy for the support. And with that out of the way, uh, Richard. Let's talk spoilers first. So we have exactly one card from this really slow, weird spoiler season. Uh, What is that card?
1: Exactly one card, spoiled on Christmas Day, for all you Teferi Control players out there. We have Absorb. (laughs) It's the Azorius Counterspell, (laughs) white, blue, blue, instant, counter-target spell, you gain three life. Yes! It's a reprint, by the way. (laughs) It's a reprint. They didn't even give us a new card. They gave us a reprint. (laughs)
0: So invasion, I think, was the original yeah. absorb. So you sound excited for this, Crim. Uh How good is absorb going to be in standard?
2: Uh that's kind of the the thing. Uh, like me and some friends were talking about. We were trying to figure out. Like obviously, sinister sabotage. The surveil is very good, right? The surveil is is definitely needed, but. Absorb The gain three life eventually starts adding up to being an additional card or in, in this case against red deck, you're kind of like countering a lightning strike in the future or a wizard's lightning. So, and countering the current spell. So maybe, maybe you do a weird mixture, like a three, two split somewhere down the line or maybe three, one or something like that. I could see that. Right. Uh, like it's... Obviously, you know it. The 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 three life I think is relevance. Like it, it's it's going to be very relevant in the in some matches. Obviously, in the control matchup though, sinister sabotage is surveil. I feel like it's just going to be infinitely better, right? In the mirror matches and stuff like that. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, I the mana base also is another thing. Like the the cost of white blue blue can be a little interesting. So, but we'll have what we're approaching like what would be almost perfect mana, right?
0: Yeah, with all 10 shock lands, I'm really not that concerned about the mana, so I think that that part... I mean, obviously, you can't be Demir Control and play this card. I guess you could splash for it, but that, but that seems a little bit unlikely that you're going to, like, splash specifically for Absorb. But if you're playing Esper, Blue-White, it seems like a good option. I think, for me, whether it's better than Sinister Sabotage, it's mostly a question of what the metagame looks like. I think if we're in a pretty aggressive metagame where, like, Monorad slash Boros, those style attacks are at the top of the meta, then I think gaining three life is probably just better than Surveil one. On the other hand, if the metagame is like Golgari midrange, maybe Jund midrange, and various counterspell control decks, then I think Surveilling is probably way more important than actually uh, gaining some random life, which isn't all that relevant in those matchups. So I think it's like a wait and see. I expect it will see play. I've heard some people like on Reddit and social media talking like they're afraid it'll be broken, and I'm guessing it's just like people (laughs) really dislike Teferi, and they're afraid that it's going to make Teferi broken. That's only way that makes sense because i'm pretty sure it's like literally impossible for a cancel with upside to be broken like no matter what upside wizard sticks on cancel i don't think we've ever had a three mana counter spell that was actually broken
1: broken is a stretch yeah, I, I, this but i broken. think it is pretty good like three life is nothing to scoff at it is a lightning strike that you're canceling and if you play two of these three of these throughout the match like you're starting at 30 life like good luck red decks Right, so it's actually decent. I mean, one one mana, gain three life doesn't cost you a card Would you play it. Like, I think you would you would right.
0: So i I think I think the maybe the biggest argument for this card actually seeing a lot of play is that control decks are playing like Revitalize in horrible life spells anyway. So if you're playing like two mana, gain three life, draw a card. It seems like a pretty easy swap to just, like, play Absorb, actually have a real magic card that does something, and still gain the three life. So so it seems like that might be an easy swap for some of these control decks, because you—countering like, something's way better than just randomly cycling.
1: Yeah. the mana sucks, though. Like, if you have to shock to play this, then it suddenly becomes a lot less uh, enticing. And the fact that you you do need to assemble blue, blue, white on turn three and exactly on turn three, right? If you're trying to counter things on time, makes it harder, Uh, you know, because you, you always get those draws where you need to shock for this third mana or you have colorless land or, you know, something's going on. And you might not be able to get it on time and it makes it a lot worse if you're only gaining one if you're paying two life to shock.
0: So I got to ask you are we expecting a cycle now of this Uh, one, two, three mana spell? I think I said that really awkwardly. <laughs> one mana of one color, two of another <laughs> color, three converted mana cost spell. Because it's it's very similar to Bedevil, which was the Rakdos, same yeah. mana cost, same converted mana cost. So do you think we'll see a Simic and a um, uh, Orzhov version of this, the rest of the gills, Or is this just randomly two cards that are sort of similar? Did we get it
1: last time? Like, we had, like, Counterflux the silence one which I don't remember uh, did we get the full cycle oh, render, yeah, render silence. silence
2: that oh that was so bad <laughs> did we get a full <laughs> cycle I don't think we did though but, like, what would, what were the other colors we didn't get a demir yeah. one
0: yeah did mm. we? I, I don't I don't think there was a demir one and if it was it was really bad had no one ever played it
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it must have been forgotten at this point <laughs> which by the way undermine you know I, I'd i love to see undermine I think that'd be really cool that's not like that's too powerful Right.
0: I mean, I don't even know if it's, like, that much better than Ionize. Like, I guess you get one more damage, but the mana cost is more restrictive, so it seems like Undermine is fine if Absorb and Ionize are fine. <laughs> maybe, maybe that would be like for the last set when Nicole Bolas comes back for the last uh, Guilds of Ravnica set. Maybe we'll see all the guilds supported again. That could be on flavor. I think, I think Undermine was in the Nicole Bolas like, uh, intro deck or whatever, uh, the, the dual deck for Nicole Bolas. So maybe that'll be the flavor tie in.
1: Wait, is Bolus really coming back?
0: Yes, that's what the yeah. whole you, Richard, Richard, where's your, where's your, lore, your lore knowledge? That's what this whole Ravnica block is about. Is leading up to Nicole Bolas. And oh I thought like, we were done like, with him. I thought we left him on
1: and- or something. He's still here. Is the Gatewatch still exists. What is going on?
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't even pay attention to lore, and I know that this is about. Nicole I'm like, Bolas. is it is it ever
1: cool? Like, who's coming out here? Is Nicole Bolas the Okay. <laughs>
2: Shadow over Ravnica. I, I I
1: really want Garrick to come back and just kill everyone. Like that's, that, they gotta turn it dark. They gotta <laughs> remove Nicol Bolas. He's he's been around too long. Emrakul too long. It's it's Garrick time.
0: I do kind of miss Garrick. There was some cool Garrick planeswalkers. I mean, Apex like Predators kill your the best <laughs> It's
2: like that's it. It's yeah. like what? Okay. <laughs> they go Elspeth. You play Garrick and you plus. It's not even a minus. You just plus and pick off the Elspeth. <laughs>
0: Uh alright. Any other absorb thoughts before we uh move on?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think mine mine is just mostly uh just trying to figure out what the numbers are between this and Sinister Sabotage because it's definitely, I'm definitely playing this in Best of 1. Yeah, you
0: definitely, this seems like a card actually, uh, this is a nice segue into our next topic, which involves grinding Best of 1 on Arena, but this does seem, in Best of 1 in specific, better to uh, than Sinister Sabotage to me because uh, the metagame, pretty aggressive uh, in my experience on Best of 1, so I think I would very much rather have 3 life than uh, Surveil 1 in that format. But if
1: you're playing control decks in Best of 1, you're doing it wrong.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, all right. All right. Well, good. Segue. I don't know what you're talking about. Good segue. Let's let's talk about the arena grind. That was our second topic for today. Uh, so I have been finally just this weekend, actually uh, starting the ranking up process in Best of One. Uh, Crim, have you ranked up in Best of One or been working on that at all?
2: Uh yeah, and you know you know how Richard just brought up like you know playing control and best of one <laughs> is a is a so, kind of you, a daunting task.
0: <laughs> so are you bouncing around at like bronze two, just playing deme? No, like no, 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 I'm <laughs> not wood <windfall>. for I, <laughs> I
2: I did hit mythic yesterday.
0: Ooh, congrats!
2: But but like it was a lot. Like I played every game like and, and, and let me tell you every game was very grindy and because I made an oath that I would not play a single aggro deck <laughs> did you make this oath when you were so five long, years
1: old like when did you make this oath <laughs> I,
2: I feel like I've aged by a thousand years I'm not gonna lie to you <laughs> It, I got there though, and the and it was it was a lot, and like I think what what helped was like <laughs> uh, on on stream I told I told everyone I was just, like I'm not using the restroom until I hit mythic, <laughs> and so I did. <laughs> so so you were playing
0: uh, a specific control deck or just like various control and mid range decks? How did how did that work for you?
2: I tried I tried Jeskai I tried Sultai, I tried Demir I did all of that, but then I I just went. I just went back to Grixis. Okay. I landed on Grixis and I stayed on Grixis and I just grinded the whole way there because the amount of Adanto Vanguards that I ran into made it so that I really, really need uh, Golden Demises, Moment of Cravings, and stuff like that. Yeah. Contempts.
0: Th- those are uh, pretty good cards in the best-of-one format. Uh Richard, what what rank are you? Have you tried this at nope. all? Have you even been playing? I, I, I'm,
1: I'm waiting. I'm waiting. So so rumors has it for? that that Richard is washed up. And that he hasn't played competitive magic in a long time. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I got I gotta go grind the ladder to show people. no one cares. show myself, I still got it, right? so i, I I'm just waiting for the right time. So I actually wanted to ask Krim, how many games did it
2: take? And how many hours did it take? Oh. Okay, okay, so I did like what is it the the push when the I guess I don't know from, I did I did it seriously about a week and a half after uh the rank went up.
0: Okay, so that was what, the thirteenth? So probably so it didn't take you that long then, because I think that'll only be like a week or two probably.
2: Yeah. Sounds about but it's like a week or two, but I played well, for probably about eight hours. Straight. A day? <laughs> like for like four days. <sighs>
1: so so you got like four matches in like how many games is that (laughs) you're also playing like the worst deck you should be playing to do this but like uh how long is the average grixis control
2: you know game take it was i think we would let's say about if my deck did what it was supposed to do uh on our like i would say about 10, 12 okay, minutes? Not bad, not bad. 10, 12 minutes, yeah. W- um, and then, I mean, this isn't, you know, this is barring any kind of control mirrors, which I <laughs> ran into. Um, <laughs> then we're starting to look at like 20 to 25 minute games. Yeah. Um, and I just did that for like a week and a half straight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Whew>. Oh, boy. <laughs> so... So, I have not reached Mythic. I just haven't played enough Best of ones. So, I, I, all on Saturday, actually, in between editing this week's Against the Odds, I started off, I think I was Bronze 3, because I'd played, like, a handful of just random games on stream that were ranked, I guess. So, I, I went from that up to Gold, playing Golgari Planeswalkers, which I actually kind of like. I at least liked... In that part of the grind, the earlier ranks, because you have those uh, moment of cravings, uh, golden demises, all that stuff that's really good at answering annoying aggro threats and then planeswalkers to close out the game. But then yeah. when I got to gold, I I just had a horrible run with the deck and lost like five matches in a row. And I was like, oh, man. I can't believe I'm doing this, but I built a, <laughs> I built a 20, 20 land mono red flame of the Cow deck. And then I, and then I won
1: like <laughs> you eight cave. matches
0: in a row, went up to the next rank. And then I, I haven't played again since then. So I, I turned over to the dark side and I have to say there's tiers in each rank. And once you get to gold, I think it's like six or seven, uh, you have to be plus six or seven wins to go up to the next tier. And I think I went up, like, a tier with Mono Red in, like, 20 minutes. The games were, like, literally two minutes or something. Like, someone would live, someone would die. I won, like, six in a row at one point and ranked up. So uh, I would definitely, I can see why I run into so many aggro decks, because it definitely makes the process a lot faster uh, compared to playing 25-minute Grix's control matches.
2: Hey, that's only for mirror matches? Come no, on, I now. mean... I also lose sometimes within, like, four seconds, so...
1: <laughs> you play aggro deck, and by turn four, which is, like, three minutes into the game, you're like, am I winning or am I losing? And then you concede or, or you know, finish the game out, right? Because it's a numbers game, right? It's, like, how many matches yeah. can you finish? Uh, you know, like, even if an aggro deck has, like, a 5% less win rate than, say, a control deck... It's probably better to play the aggro deck because you can finish twice the number of games, and that's why you see. It's not like everyone's an aggro lover on ladder, right? It's just like they want to get to mythic and they, you know, they want to get it done fast, right?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I've done laddering. So, like, I, I played a lot of, like, you know, like, I'll play, I played other games like Hearthstone and stuff. And I did the ladder for that. And, you know, people get discouraged when you, like, lose a rank or, or, or something like that. But that's just how it goes, right? You just, you're going to sometimes, like, win, like, seven in a row and then lose, like, 20 after. And then, and then you just climb back up again. And on top of that, like, much like you said, Richard, it is a game of numbers. But like in every game I play, I, you know, as Teferi says, let's slow things down. <laughs> and that's, and that's how I do it. <laughs> i Have also you ever gotten like mind the, the
1: control d- mirror scoop where you're just like out of it or you just yeah. scoop without I'll
2: scoop. <laughs> finishing uh, the game? <laughs> yeah, no, legit. I, I'll do the scooping too. Like if, if they go like Thought Erasure, rip my only relevant card because I, the rest of my like deck is like to answer or the rest of my hand is to answer aggro. I'll just concede, go to the next game. I'll just, will like be like, eh, whatever. I don't, I don't want to sit here for the next 25 minutes and, and, and get like disinformation campaign <laughs> into the sun. <laughs> you know what I mean? So,
0: so <laughs> you've, you've gotten all the way up to Mythic. Is the metagame still pretty aggro heavy when you get up to Mythic? Like at the highest ranks, is it still, does it change at all and look more like, the, uh, the traditional best of three meta, the paper meta, the magic online meta, or is it still kind of like skewed towards everyone playing aggro decks at the highest levels, highest ranks?
2: Well, it's still sprinkled with, you know, of course, people trying to hit high mythic. So there's, of course, you know, uh, you know, Boros Weenies. There's still some red deck, but randomly there is a ridiculous amount of drakes. Just there's a lot of is it drakes? A ton of them. And, I, and then I, I randomly ran into like an elf player. <laughs> <laughs> can, can you rank out of fight, Mythic? Fighting the good fight Once with you the elves.
1: Can you fall out? You can no. Oh, okay, so it, it is like those games where you, you hit the highest tier and then just anything goes at that point because people are like, oh, I don't have to play seriously anymore. I can just play whatever I want now because I, I oh. cannot drop.
0: Although, like, once you get to Mythic, you get to see your player rank, or once you get to a certain part of Mythic, are you to that point, Grim?
2: Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I will, before I went to bed, I think I ended at, like, 146th, or something like that. So
0: you still kinda, like, have motivation to try to keep winning, to move up, like, the overall scoreboard once you get to that point.
2: Wow. Yeah, I wanna get, like, top 50. That's...
0: That would be pretty, that would be pretty impressive. Does
2: your, do do you decay? (laughs) Does your rank decay? I think so, but there's still not a, a crazy amount of mythic players. because when I when I hit mythic, I entered in at I think 151. Are you telling
1: me if I hit mythic now, I can be the top hundred fiftieth magic player in the world? You, you
2: <laughs> I guess, all, on Arena, <laughs> on Arena, whatever. But that's
1: where all the players are. That's that's where the mythic championships will be. All right, you, I, you can you it. can
2: show the world. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna <laughs> print is out turn. Put it on my wall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll mail you one personally if you want. If, if you hit mythic. I will make you I'm a surprised <laughs> The number is
1: so small. There's only 150. Or I, I guess maybe yeah, maybe I it's mean, actually
2: really hard to get into mythic. What like what do you think it is? The, the I think it actually just is whether or not people like for for some people the idea of laddering right is still a bit new. If you if you watch if you look around a good amount of the people that have hit mythic are like hearthstone pros and stuff like that because they've or like you know of course regular pros and people that are just used to laddering so maybe for some people like that the 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 idea of laddering is you know not worth it you know what i mean like it like you get discouraged from losing like six in a row dropper rank but you know people that have played other games that require laddering you kind of just keep pushing and you just understand that that's how it goes i've also seen people immediately after they lose five they jump back and they just tune their deck on the spot for no like and i and they shouldn't do that uh, it's like oh hold on i just lost to aggro like five times like- i'm gonna play four golden demises and four ritual of sooths <laughs> and and then get paired against jeskai
0: I think it's also, it seems like it's, it, it takes a lot of time, uh, even yeah. if you are winning a reasonable amount. Like, once you get to gold and all the way up through the highest ranks, if you win more than you lose, you will slowly increase your rank, but I think to get up each tier, it's like six or seven wins, and then there's like four tiers within each rank or something. So basically, it takes, a. if you're winning 60% of the time and playing eight hours of the uh, a day, I think you'll hit mythic within like a reasonable amount of time, but if you're playing an hour a day, even if you're winning like seventy five percent of the time, it's probably going to take you a l- long time to get to mythic. If you ever do, Oh,
1: this sounds like a long time. Yeah, it, I remember it, when Hearthstone first. It's released, also way different. It only took me like a week or like a weekend or something. It didn't take that long to hit uh, legendary. So I, I'm willing to put like what? I don't know sixteen hours <laughs> into grinding. But if it's gonna take me like eighty hours or something, that's that's like way too long.
2: Don't need to, remember, it only takes eighty hours or what or if, 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 if you because, if, if you're playing control <laughs> or something, but Richard bounces
1: around bronze <laughs> four for the next month. <laughs> we never talk about <laughs> this ever again. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I think like also the fact that you know with arena not on mobile it takes a l- even longer <laughs> right to hit mythic uh-uh. I, I can't I can't
1: play Arena on the toilet yet I see
2: <laughs> yeah exactly no toilet arena yet once toilet arena happens, I think there's gonna be a, a way easier a, like bigger number of mythic players.
1: So how long until <laughs> so your mythic status gets reset like how long is the season?
2: We have well I, I can't remember the exact amount of days but I know we have 31 days left.
0: I think they. So I think it's gonna be monthly, but this season yeah. is like long because it's their first trial season or something, and then it's gonna be monthly after after this first season. And have they announced any rewards? Yeah.
1: Do you get anything cool? For- oh,
0: they are they are horrible. <laughs> I <laughs> think Mythic, you get you get one thousand gold. Wait, one thousand gold serious? and five booster packs. Yeah, it's yeah. It's like winning a draft to get <laughs> getting to Mythic what is, is like the equivalent of like five owing a draft. You
1: need- you need a new card back, or you need a new <laughs> avatar. Or like, who wants a thousand gold? <laughs> like, what is this? I have so much gold now. I think I'm at like 72,000 <laughs> gold. Oh my god. You don't even get like an avatar or a card back or anything? A, a new playing area? <laughs> I- Nothing? <laughs>
2: Maybe, maybe, we don't know, because remember, this is, this is what they're doing, this is why there's an extended season, all this other stuff, they they might, they might roll something out, right, for people, I, I, like, to be honest with you, what's the point of me trying to get High Mythic, right? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. they should, they should send you, like, a jacket,
1: they should send you all kinds of stuff, that's what, that's what League of (laughs) of Legends
2: does, a Black Lotus, uh,
1: (laughs) I mean,
0: in the rewards also, you don't get that much from going up in ranks. I was just looking at them, and right now I'm at gold, and I think at gold you get like three packs in a thousand gold, so putting in like those extra 40 hours to get up to Mythic, you get like two extra Worth. booster packs compared to just staying at gold. You, you know what would actually
1: be really sweet? If you got like a physical like Teferi card with your name on it, like your username, and like oh. only the top. 20 or something of each season get it like that would I mean, be super sweet so you can show up at FNM hero and of season and you're one like, or boom. something <laughs> All right here's my arena promo shows you how good I am <laughs> 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 but it makes <laughs> you it makes <laughs> you play paper magic this is what Watsi wants right it's like oh now you have to play paper magic to show off your new teferi so <laughs>
0: I mean,
2: I'm, in, I'm all for that plan. Like, it, I would love that.
0: In defensive arena, I do think some of the stuff that we're asking for is gonna come. Like, I expect we don't have cosmetics in the game yet. This is the first season, so I think that this is just kind of a test run and i wouldn't be surprised if being high mythic like qualifies you for a tournament if you get special avatars and card backs and stuff so i think all that stuff will likely be part of arena eventually so it might just be a matter of uh, waiting a little bit why they kind of work out how the rank system is going to work
2: i mean they already gave we already saw the new card back with the popper Holiday Popper event.
0: Ooh, that's, but that was just for playing, like, if you played in the event, you had that card back, right? Right. It's not like right. it goes so in your you collection can, or anything.
2: Correct, correct. You don't get anything for it, but like, that means at least now you can, you can see that they've designed card backs and other card backs, uh, which, by the way, that, if you played the Holiday Popper event, it looked like a doormat, but people said it was a gingerbread cookie. I didn't, I, didn't, I, like, <laughs> I, I didn't want to get into that two hour long debate, but I, I mean, I did anyways, but like I was a hundred percent sold. That was a doormat.
0: All right. So before we move on, I got to ask you, Crim, uh you've done the most ranking up on anyone compared to uh, traditional magic. How much fun is it for you? Like, Is the best of one meta in the process? And you said you have some experience with from Hearthstone and stuff, so maybe it's more natural to you than magic players who aren't used to it. But do you think it's comparably fun to traditional best of three magic now that you've kind of reached the the pinnacle or close to the pinnacle uh, in the best of one grind?
2: Definitely not the same. It's not the magic that I know and love. The sideboarding, the the, the sideboarding, I know it seems so like you know it's so minor but the but actually it's it's huge for me i i've i, I it's a that's all i've known right since i've played magic i've known about a sideboard the like that's that's one of the cons right that i just don't have a sideboard so i can't lean on it to like make my like to reduce the wrong half of my deck uh so i perfectly so this kind of like made me deck build a little differently and that that this is where it's kind of cool like you deck build differently i have main deck unmoored egos um i'm split down the middle uh to where it's like my deck is built 50 50 i just i'm it's ladder so if i draw the wrong half i draw the wrong half right like it's but there and like there's a really wrong half
0: Right. You draw your, your moment of cravings and golden demises against control and things go horribly. Or you gr- draw your finishers or whatever against aggro and it's the same. Yeah, it's kind of, yeah. I, is that, is that where we want magic to be going? I got like, is that like a compelling format to watch pros play at pro tours? It feels like it's so luck of the draw dependent, even beyond like who gets to play first. It seems like the format itself. The way you're describing building decks for it, at least in your experience getting to Mythic, is is kind of just like you flip a coin and hope it's a good matchup, and then you win, and then you flip a coin, and if it's a bad matchup, you lose. Is that an unfair characterization from your perspective?
2: Not really. It's kind of it's kind of what I've, I've experienced, right? Uh, like, I mean, am I on the draw against red deck? Because if I am, or I mean against any aggro deck, do I have golden demise? All right, well, I probably lose. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's like, but that's why you would want to play aggro and maybe not a control (laughs) deck for the, for the mythic laddering. Uh, but I, I, I definitely feel like it being a coin toss and on top of that, like, you know, play draw, right? Play draw is huge in best of one right now, because at least in other games like Hearthstone, you had the coin. So you you could, you could fight being on the draw here. It's just like, I'm on the draw. If I don't have golden demise, I'm most likely dead.
0: Ah oh, yeah, Richard. Any any thoughts? What do you? I mean, I know you kind of like the idea of best of one, right? I like
1: the idea of best of one because there are pros to it. The pros are I can sit down for five five minutes and finish a match. Uh, Not if I have anything to yeah, say okay. about it. That's why you don't play those decks. <laughs> uh, if you, I don't know. You can build a deck. This is weird. Like this. This is what you're getting at. Where. It changes magic like yeah there are wrong answers but i forgot who said this there are never any wrong questions so you just make a deck full of questions which are aggro decks and then you're good to go <laughs> but that warps how magic is played right but i am i'm fine with that so i i don't know i think the pros outweigh the cons like ladder is a reason for me to play magic without ladder i, I wouldn't you know I, i'm not firing up moto right now talking about how i can you know win the next League or You know Get get the border In Magic Online Like it's not as important to me Where I'm like Oh Mythic rank That's something to do Right That, that, that makes me want to yeah. Try it right So I, I think that part Offsets The other part of Magic But I, I You know I don't think I want to see A pro tour played As best of one Right But for Normal regular play Like I, I think it's fine
2: Well what did you think of how they did the thing for what the play of the year? They had uh, Seth Manfield. Yeah, the the right? seven
1: the seven best of yeah. one things. I think, I think that's good. I, I think that's better than best of ones, uh, and I think that makes it entertaining. So I th- think that's fine. And, and let's not forget, like best of fives or whatever, are not immune to being bad either, right? Like we we all lament of the to four or to five or whatever to finish out the pro tour, like. Stuff happens in best of threes as well, so I mean it's magic. There's variance. Stuff happens, so I think seven best of ones is a compromise, and it bridges the Magic Arena player with the the paper or Pro Tour player. So maybe that's where it should go.
0: I think for me the biggest problem is is, is the metagame. I think, and maybe this is something that could change if they do decide that best of one is the direction they're heading and they try to design specifically for it but even at the player of the year playoff it was just all linear aggro decks like they i think every deck that they chose was essentially just like uh, boros aggro mono blue aggro mono red aggro and that it matches up to my experience so far playing on the ladder so i feel like the actual metagame of Best of 1 is not very compelling. Like, sure, Best of 3 can be bad, Best of 1 can be bad as far as, like, variance and mana screw, but the metagame, like, you're missing mid range entirely and control is probably uh, at a disadvantage compared to Best of 3 at least, so you just end up with everyone goldfishing aggro decks because that's the correct way to play the format and uh, I don't know if I would enjoy that being the primary way people play uh, Magic or the primary format of Magic. That's the
1: casual way of playing magic right like the the draw of that is you don't need uh encyclopedic knowledge to play magic right like let's say uh let's say you play magic like once a month you can sit down with your aggro deck slam some cards knock out five games and call it a day right so like i I think like it's like a casual thing where you don't need to know about every single deck every single card Like, yeah, okay, you get surprised, you get a golden demise thrown on you or something, but, you know, whatever, right? So I I feel like (laughs) it's it's like the casual way of playing where you don't need to know everything, right? You go in for some quick matches, you're done, you move on with your life. So it attracts the new players or the players that aren't enfranchised. But for people like us, where we play hours and hours of magic on end every day, it gets stale fast, right? Like, yeah, okay, you know, if I can't sideboard, if I can't tweak my deck... Based on what I think decks are gonna be, like where's the fun in magic, right? So I think there's those two forces uh, going at it, right? We like complexity. New players don't want complexity, right? They're trying to like they're like, what's trample? What's lifelink? Like they don't need to, you know, worry about the Teferi metagame on top of that, right? <laughs> they they wanna keep it as simple as possible and you know, get through their games, right?
0: But is is the pro tour for those players though, or like the player of like that's the player of the year? Theoretically, (laughs) the two literal best Magic players in the entire (laughs) world does I don't know what trample is really apply to that type. Like I'm fine with having best of one be on arena and even being a ranked option on arena, but man, it really scares me the thought of that being what we see at a pro tour or something where I think all those casual arguments don't really apply to that setting. But the viewers, the
1: viewers are casual. The pros are not Right It's like John Madden Commentating football Right It's like stripped down to the layman and he's not using football jargon even though everyone there is playing at the highest level and they understand the intricacies of football when you explain it to the norm the person just flipped on the couch they see people hitting each other the ball goes across the line and people throw their hands in the air they're like yes right like it's i think it's like that right like the arena player turns on the pro tour they need to watch something they understand, otherwise they're not gonna watch and they'll just flip on to something else, right? So yes, the pros are very skilled, but the viewers may not be and they have to somehow mesh those two.
0: I don't even know how many of the, like, I don't even know if the arena players are going to turn into the pro two rods. I mean, they
1: don't today because no one understands what's going on, right? You're like glare, like what is this coverage? Like what is going on? It's too difficult, right?
0: <laughs> but if you look at like the Magic Arena subreddit, it it really is like it is very casual and it is like ninety percent memes or complaints. I think that is that is roughly what that Reddit is. But when they but had like today? even when they had like the big (laughs) the big twitch rivals tournament it was a pretty hot topic on the main subreddit the magic subreddit but it was kind of just like an afterthought like the arena subreddit didn't especially seem to care that much about it compared to the main subreddit so i'm i'm not even sure if like the people playing arena even care about watching other people play magic they just kind of want to play magic and have fun with magic so it'll be interesting i guess all right. So, oh man, we really went up on, on best of what <laughs> every time we, we have, talk about
1: Rita. <laughs> we, we have roughly
0: five, five to ten minutes to go over all of 2018. All right. So. We can do it. No problem. Easy. Easy. All right. Lightning, <clears throat> lightning mode, lightning mode. So, we're going to reflect back on some of the big things that happened in 2018 in Magic, and uh, we're going to keep it short. So, we actually have a reasonably timed podcast. So, going back all the way to January, the first big thing of 2018 was. Uh, the last of a series of standard bannings. January is when Rampaging Frocedon, Attune with Ether, and Rogue Refiner were banned from standard. And I think the interesting part of this for me is uh, we went from having horrible standard at the beginning of the year to having a pretty beloved standard format by the end of the year. So uh, how are you guys feeling about standard? coming out of 2018 heading into 2019 are you all worried we're gonna get back to where we were at the beginning of the year or the year before that or do you think this period of fun and stability is going to continue on through 2019
2: random this standard is booming it's it's amazing
0: (laughs) it a really fun i agree that it's a fun standard format so all right here let me give you four four options and you tell me which of these reasons is why standard is good Number one, another thing that happened in 2019, core sets returned. So we actually have core set cards providing answers that maybe weren't there without core sets. Play design team. This is the first standard format where the play design team has been involved in all the sets in standard. Uh, multicolor block. That's another theory that multicolor blocks tend to lead to good standard formats. And if you look back on. Past multicolor blocks, it's uh kind of makes some amount of sense. Or is it just is it blind luck? Did wizards just kind of stumble into good standard after stumbling into bad standards for the past couple years? What is what is your pick out of those options? All of the
1: above. I think it's a combination first of three. Of them. What? No blind luck, Trim. <laughs> I, I always calculate. It's like magic, right? You have like a 60% win rate. So that's obviously better than a 55% win rate. But in any given game, you may just mold a four and go nowhere and lose. So I feel like
2: I don't know what you're talking about, Richard. If I mold a four, it's calculated. I wanted to mold a four. So it's
1: like the play design team helps, you know, going back to core sets helps. Multicolors helps. But, you know, they could do all that and the set flops, right? But this time around, it's great. Right? But can they reproduce it? I mean, maybe hopefully i
2: think i think the the play team being a part of it is huge too i really like that but they were part of like yeah. it for so
1: long and we kept making excuses for them <laughs> like oh they weren't part <laughs> of this whole process oh they didn't have lunch yet <laughs> oh they were on vac- like i don't know right like we kept making excuses about why they were not you know fully involved until we finally got a good set and they're like yeah it's all on them <laughs> right like what happens when the next bad set comes <laughs> unless you're saying we're never having a bad set ever again then i'll believe it if after five years we've had nothing but like tip top standard like wow that play design team was epic we'll we'll
2: find out right we're gonna find out
0: i will from my perspective i think it's for me the sample size is still a bit small for me to for me to say anything is really working like yes, the last, send skills of Ravnica, so the last, like, three months of Standard have been pretty awesome, but come back to me in, like, six months, after we get through the rest of the block, or next fall, when we have our next rotation, if we're still feeling this way about Standard, then I'll be very much like, alright, I think we got this fixed, but for right now, I don't know, I'm I'm more in the combination of everything, I think there is some amount of luck involved, but, at the same time, I do think Wizards has taken some pretty big steps towards fixing Standard, with Corusats played played design team etc cetera, etc cetera. so uh, speaking of things that started the year poorly and then ended the year pretty well. Master sets. Uh, we started off 2019 <laughs> with, with Masters 25, which was, I think the most reviled Master set. The Tree of Redemption memes were nonstop. And then we ended with Ultimate Masters, which is pretty much widely considered to be maybe the best Master set of all time. So, uh, what did you think of 2018 and Master sets? And bonus question, how long until we get another one? Uh, you know that wizards are gonna, they're gonna keep cashing in re- prints how long do you think they'll hold to this eh, this was the last master set
1: thing moving forward are we counting like oh. mythic edition to be part of this or no masterpieces uh, like they did all <sighs> kinds master- of things with like these premier products
0: so, okay, let's let's just lump them all together. So we also had, yes, Mythic Edition, the pay $250 for most of a booster box, and these Planeswalkers. Uh, what do you think of all this, like, trend towards these premium products that is likely going to keep going, I would assume, since they've all seemed to sell really, really well?
1: Yeah, I, li- I like Ultimate Masters. Uh, I don't believe for a second that it's the last Masters thing. Like, maybe it's the last one called Masters, but they're going to reprint stuff. In more expensive booster packs and sell them to you, <laughs> so that that will keep happening, I believe. But I, I think hopefully they learn from Masters Twenty Five. Part of the problem with Twenty Five is how they, uh, they branded it.
0: Same put Tree of
1: Redemption in it, yeah, and like iconic <laughs> Masters. How nothing good was in it. Iconic Masters, like <clears throat> all of these things, was like how they named it, right? If you're like, this is the greatest set ever, full of the cards you love. And then you don't put the cards that everyone loves in them, it's like there's a problem. So I mean, in some ways, Ultimate Masters lives up to its name, right? It is actually the Ultimate Masters set, so it's fine, right? If they're like mid-range draft playable commons masters, and then, you know, that's what you get, like no one's gonna complain, right? So I, I, think, I think they, they have figured out it's messaging. Same with Mythic Edition, it's the same as the San Diego Comic-Con Planeswalker set. But people were very, very upset because of how they messaged this product and you know what they portrayed it as, right? But it's no different than any of the other things they've sold in the past. So I think Wizards has learned how to message things. So I think in 2019 we're not going to see kind of these uh, pitchfork threads on Reddit anymore. Well, regarding these things, regarding announcements,
2: I think we'll see at least one. I
1: mean, it is Reddit and <laughs> we will always get them, but
2: yeah. <laughs> I mean pitch, i feel like pitchforks are just always out on reddit, so it does it doesn't matter
0: <laughs> uh yeah, so. I don't know. I think Wizards is going to keep doing these products. I think there's too much money there with stuff like Mythic Edition for Wizards to not keep making them and not keep upping the prices on them like we saw with Ultimate Masters until they reach a point where people actually stop buying them. And then that will be when Wizards is like, okay, maybe we went too far, maybe we're doing this too much. But at this point, from what we can tell, Ultimate Masters sold out or sold really well mythic edition crash hasbro toy shop which isn't much of a feat knowing hasbro toy shop but still (laughs) they did sell out on hasbro toy shop so i think we're going to keep seeing more of these products i actually think we're going to see mythic edition for revnic allegiances i'm expecting that to be announced shortly and have the same the same type of thing so well speaking (laughs) Speaking of special cards, at the beginning of the year, Wizards announced they were going to uh, a new BioBox promo system, printing exclusive BioBox promos. And it started off okay with Fire Song and Sunspeaker. And then we had Nexus of Fate. And then Nexus of Fate kind of broke things in Standard for a while. It got pretty expensive. At one point it was like $80 on Magic Online and you could hardly find copies and it was a big thing. And then Wizards, it seems like they've reeled it back in a little bit with the huge worm from Guilds of Ravnica. We have some random 6-drop vampire from Ravnica Legions. So what do you think about the Buy a Box promos uh, from 2018? Do you think Wizards has figured this out? Going back to our uh skill versus luck thing uh best of one the best of one argument skill versus luck do you think they figured out biobox promos and got them in a point where they're not going to Nexus of fate standard or have they just kind of uh, got lucky with the last couple
1: they're gonna change <laughs> this it. one's luck I think <laughs> I think this one's luck <laughs> they're gonna change it they're gonna change it like they wanted Nexus of fate to happen <clears throat> but they didn't want the backlash around Nexus of fate. Like Nexus of Fate was a reason for you to buy a box and get this promo. Like, what is the worm even called from Guilds of Africa? Like, no one knows. Impervious great no worm. No one wants it. No one cares. No one's buying a box because of it. <laughs> so that's not. <laughs> you don't know That's that not yet. serving the. That's not serving Votsy's purpose, right? So I think they will come and tinker with this some more, and yeah, they just got to figure out how to do it without getting everyone upset because they do want people to buy boxes to get these promos.
0: Yeah. I I mean, I think Nexus of Fate was probably very good for Wizards, but there was a lot of backlash and hurt feelings over how it went down. Uh, so I think you might be right that they will maybe try to up the power level a little bit. The most recent one, I think, is... Is probably the the worst one we've seen yet. I mean, it's good for commander, but it it does not seem to have much of a chance in standard. So maybe they will try to push it a little bit further once people kind of forget about Nexus of Fate and they feel safe to up the power level a little bit. Because I, like you said, I don't think anyone's gonna go buy a box because they get a haunt of High Tower. That doesn't that doesn't sound realistic. <laughs> well, speaking speaking of debacles. Uh, we gotta talk about Silver Showcase. Silver Showcase. And this kind of <laughs> leads us to our last topic, which is, uh, the big esports announcement. So uh, 2018 was kind of the, the weird year of Wizards transitioning towards this esport paradigm. We've seen a lot of sponsored streams from people kind of outside the game. Hearthstone streamers, streamers from other games. And this kind of came to a head with, the silver showcase, which was the big beta draft, tons of money being paid to players. And when they finally announced the players, it was like 50% magic players, 50%, uh, Hearthstone players, including a bunch that had like publicly quit magic because they weren't making enough money playing it. Uh, and that led to all kinds of, uh, of problems and uproars and pitchforks. So where do you think we're at, uh, with magic's relationship to People outside the game, or people that used to be in the game, are—are are you expecting to see more Silver Showcase sponsored streamers from other games heading through 2019? Or did Wizards, uh, are they scared of that now? Thanks to the backlash to Silver Showcase.
2: Um, I mean, for me, I, I think I expect to see more streams, more yeah. sponsored streams, definitely. I think they fixed it, right? Uh, like Silver Showcase yeah. and how
1: Arena was launched is basically the same. They basically gave a bunch of money uh, to popular streamers of other games. Uh, but in the case of Silver Showcase, it was very visible, right? You see these people invited, they're playing with our beloved beta cards, and everyone was very upset because you're like, why are you rewarding people outside of our community? But the same thing basically happened when Arena launched, like Watsi paid a lot of money for various streamers outside of the Magic community to start playing Arena, right? They could have fed that money back into Magic streamers only, but they didn't, right? Because they want exposure to other games. But that happened behind the scenes. So people didn't really see that as like a betrayal and like it's not obvious in your face. So there was no backlash. And in fact, it was well received. People like, oh look, you know, random Hearthstone streamer is streaming Magic Arena with this many viewers, right? Look how popular our game is, it's great, right? So I think they learned how to message this and use their money in a way that doesn't cause existing players to be upset. Right? But at the end of the day, they, they just spent a bunch of money to advertise the game to, uh, you know, non-Magic players. It's just Silver Showcase was the bad way of doing it, and then the arena launch was the good way of doing it, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I think that that's, that's pretty true. The context of the silver showcase and it being like this nostalgia, anniversary, reflecting on the past 25 years type of event. I think that made it a really awkward fit for non-magic players when something like arena, which is very clearly trying to draw in players from different games. That seems like a, a more natural fit for that type of advertisement, I think. All right. So one last question and then we'll get to our fish mail. This one kind of looks to the future a little bit. So I've been seeing in just the past couple of weeks, some lists going out of like esports to watch for 2019. And some of them are putting magic arena slash magic number one. Like there's a lot of hype behind arena right now. We have the big pro league coming. We have these big money tournaments. So let's fast forward until the end of 2019, a year from now. What are we saying about Arena then? Are we celebrating the successful birth of Magic as an esport? Are we complaining about how it all went wrong along the way? Where, what are you expecting as far as the esports end of things over this next year?
2: I mean, what I'm expecting and hoping is that the esports thing, I mean, it's, it's what, I mean, I personally always wanted to see for Magic, uh, seeing it break into the esports world. So I think, in 2019, we'll be celebrating it. I, I would think there's just no way that we... It, uh, the, the, Like, Magic moving into eSports is just perfect. I, it's what I've always wanted to see for the game, so I'm going to definitely be celebrating it. Yeah,
1: I, I think this was the most exciting news of 2018 for me, the, the eSports announcement, and 2019, we're going to see it executed. You know, this time, a year ago, we were talking about whether Arena was the next duels of the Planeswalker. Whether it was like, (laughs) yeah, it's some product, they're gonna put it out, and it's just gonna die and wither away, right? This announcement is proof that it is not, and it's the future of Magic. So next year, I think, is where we're gonna see just like an explosive growth of Magic. I think as this launches, you know, when people say, oh, you're playing Magic the Gathering? Like I saw it in the news, there's like a million dollar tournament happening this weekend, right? It's that game from like 20 years ago where you, cast demons and angels right like I I think like that's gonna bring a lot of people back because surprisingly just talking to random people I meet a lot of people know about magic they may not play magic regularly they may not watch streams but they know about that game in high school that the nerds played or whatever, right? Like, they they know about it, (laughs) and a lot of them play it, right? They're like, yeah, I I know how to play. Like, I played before Planeswalkers were introduced, right? Like, you know, so you're gonna rope a lot of these players back in with Arena, and I think it's just gonna be crazy with all the money they're putting in, and now that we're being, uh, compared to real, you know real esports like you know the league of legends the counter-strikes the overwatches the whatever right like hopefully we're actually up there and if we are uh, it's going to be a huge thing for the game
0: so so give me your prediction as far as like twitch which is where esports happens right now a great magic tournament might have like 40k viewers like a pro one of the better pro tours hits around 40k What do you think in the end of next year? We've had a year of esports, this pro league. we got tournaments on arena. How many viewers are we going to hit for a big Magic Arena tournament?
2: Twitch rivals hit, what, 10K on a random Tuesday, announced the day before the event? (laughs) Yeah. Right? (laughs) So... So I have to, I mean, like if we, if like there was actually a push this in like, you know, with the big million dollar tournament, I have to like, I, my, I, I think personally that we could probably get those numbers without a doubt. There's just like push behind it and all of that. Cause now like, like Richard said, people are hearing about it again. You know, we like magic, our game, it was on ESPN articles again, you know, stuff like that. So it's making its way back into the mainstream and uh you know like it with a with an actual push behind the tournament it, it would be huge
1: i think 100k easy all they need to do 100. is when you launch magic arena the pro tour is playing on your home page that's all they need to do boom right that's all they need to do and people will watch and they're like oh what is this right they just need to do a little yeah. bit of advertising right like hey check out this cool deck that's You know winning the pro tour or whatever right or here's your chance to play to win a million dollars That's all they got. They just got to slide it casually into the client, and It'd be even better if you could view it in the client, right? If you could spectate in the client, oh, that'd be amazing Uh, But they have the means like if they are truly reaching millions of people in arena now just Getting them to watch twitch shouldn't be that hard Especially if you're like tune into the pro tour get a free card back easy easy 100k 200k easy right so you know watch pro tour if if someone strip mines someone get a free booster pack like you know tie it into the events right i don't know what the equivalent (laughs) is it's like if there's a pentakill or a
2: baron steel or something you unlock special stuff right i don't know what it would be in magic like (laughs) well hearthstone did a thing where you can like pick your champion too you know pick a pro yeah and then they give you booster packs for every win they get yeah so yeah, you know, free booster packs. Why not?
0: There's tons of tons of cool things that they can potentially do. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm confident they're gonna hit 100k this year. I think there's the potential is definitely there, but I'm not 100 percent sure that Wizards is all the way there to make it happen. Like we don't have the spectator mode. Uh, We don't even know when that would be coming. There's like, they haven't shown much of a sign of cross advertising, like in client to things outside the client. So I think if they do things right, we could get there, but I'm wondering if it's going to take a little bit longer and this is going to be the transition year and maybe 2020 is when, when the rewards really pay off. I, that is my one fear is that Wizards is viewing this as like a big advertising Push with arena launching and these like pro contracts and all this stuff is because we don't really have much information beyond this year like we know what's happening for 2019 but we don't really have much information beyond that and my fear is if things don't go good right out of the gate then hasbro maybe tightens the purse strings in 2020 and some of these things that we're so excited about now don't materialize the way they could if uh if wizards does everything right and keeps getting the big money support from hasbro
1: yeah, and I'll one up you, Seth I, I think this year we'll see our first, I don't know, Red Bull Magic player I think we're going to see sponsors <laughs> that are not, you know, card game vendors or card game supplies That we will see like a Geico Magic the Gathering championship <laughs> team or something like that, right? Like we will get Or tournament Yeah, we, we will get sponsors outside of our community I think this year
2: uh, we'll see that as well
0: that would be a huge step forward.
2: Which I mean, yeah, that's that's just what being—that's why the excitement for Magic going into esports is just like unreal for me. <laughs> just so many big things could happen for yeah, the we're game. We're being NASCAR now, Krim. You're gonna go on stage.
1: You're gonna have like, <laughs> eight <laughs> logos on you. You're like, yeah, I represent sixty <laughs> brands. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for the uh, Teferi uh, Power and... Play sponsored by Energizer. <laughs> Oh
0: man. All right. All right. So that's enough looking back, looking ahead. Richard, give us some fish mail on the way out the door
1: today. All right. Last fish mail of 2018. Everyone's on vacation, so we don't Ooh. have too much. So if you, <laughs> if you have questions, send them to at MDG Goldfish with the hashtag MDG fish mail and we'll get to our questions on air. Uh, Captain. Woodrow, I decided to break my free to play arena streak and buy a hundred dollar gem pack. Do I buy a 45 pack collection or value draft the entire amount, uh, on guilds of Ravnica or a mix?
0: Uh, you probably need a mix. I think drafting is probably the best option. If you enjoy playing limited, I think that's the way you'll get the most for your money, but I probably wouldn't spend all of it, drafting just guilds of Ravnica, i try to jump around as other formats come up.
2: Yeah, I would I personally, I mean, it also, yeah, once again it comes down to how good you are with limited and how comfortable you are in your limited abilities, right? I'd probably buy a mixture of packs personally, because I love Constructed. But hey, if you get Mythic in limited, that's like five, that's like six packs and a (laughs) thousand gold. Yes,
1: yes! (laughs) Uh, You
0: get another draft for free, hooray!
1: Boom! Value! (laughs) Uh, 11 Vicious Have you guys ever thought about doing a cube clash Like once a month a cube is designed And you guys draft that cube four times a month Then another cube is made for the next month And so on Congrats on 200 episodes Been a fan since day one Ooh,
0: The big challenge with stuff like that Is we all live so far apart from each other So it's, it's challenging to do things That would require us being together Maybe it's somehow possible to do it online But I don't know if it would uh, Work very well
1: yeah, Moto needs like cube, cube support. Though. Like I don't know why you can't just upload your yeah. cube list to Moto and like, you know, pay some ticks for the ability to upload and then just have people draft your cube.
0: That oh, would be so sweet. I wanted that for so long.
2: I only want to play Ashiok, so if the cube doesn't have it, I probably won't. Yeah, you, you gotta be able to <laughs> browse and rate cubes. Crims like
1: no no stars, no ashiok. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, dude, zero stars, zero ashiok, unplayable, not fun.
1: Uh M. Kinard, returning old fart player here. Magic Arena brought me back after Twitch rivals talk. Would you rather have an incomplete open beta arena now, or no closed beta until it was more fully bait Uh,
0: I mean, I. F- <sighs> <sighs> I think that Arena should be live now. Although at the same time, I do somewhat feel like Wizards maybe launched a little bit early when they first launched the closed beta and they could have done more to like figure out stuff ahead of time rather than just kind of crowdsourcing it and dealing with all the pitchforks on Reddit constantly. So, so I think maybe they shouldn't have launched a year ago when they first did, but I do think that it should definitely be up now.
2: Yeah. I, I, I definitely, I, I think. When they launched, like when the NDA lift went up, I think it was a little little bit soon. But uh, they should have kept it a little – the NDA and all of that uh, just for a little bit longer and just kept it in closed beta for a little bit longer. But uh, I I, I like I, I liked the whole <laughs> – believe it or not, I like that they've had the community the whole way through though. You know what I mean? They, they, I know that it's caused pitchforks, <laughs> but I, I'm a huge fan of the fact that they've just – like – it's it's like the first time I've gotten to play a game where the community actually really felt like I, it was like we we kind of built the game from the ground up. Like we we helped give all the feedback. I I liked it personally, but I could see why you wouldn't. Yeah,
0: I mostly feel bad for the devs. I feel like oh, yeah. having it go out so early led to just, like, so much sometimes contradictory feedback. And it had to be really—it seems like it would be easier from their perspective if they had waited a little bit before going public. Just because there was, there was just so much conversation and complaining uh, on social media when it first happened, so. <laughs>
2: I, I definitely know how many people complain about the UI and all this stuff, but hey, you know, I, the, I, the cool thing about it is like the devs, the whole team, they're always like popping into streams, all this other stuff, like, you know, fixing and like learning about the bugs live in person, right? Like as it's happening, like watching other streamers do it. I, I thought that was pretty cool. Like Chris just comes in and is just like, Hey, what's this bug? What happened here? And I'm like, Whoa, it's like having live like tech support. This is awesome. <laughs> All right. Benjamin
1: with C, why aren't Battlelands played more in the modern formats?
0: Modern is just super fast. Uh, In having two basics before they come into play untapped is, that's actually kind of rough. I was excited for them as budget duels. And now after trying to make decks work with them, they just come into play tapped way too often.
2: Only one deck I've played benefited from it. And that was Scape Shift. Yeah, I was about to say,
1: <laughs> uh, there are so many land options in Modern that it's like pretty difficult to fit them in, because having two basics is really hard. Sometimes you have a utility land or something, uh, and that just screws up your mana for the rest of the game. So the the risk is pretty high. Uh, whereas you could just play shock lands, play. Uh, the fast lands and like usually you have no problems whatsoever with that. Yeah. Well, clearly you don't respect Seth's favorite card, Blood Moon. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I respected Blood Moon, I wouldn't be getting Battlelands into play anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> if you got a uh, Hunter, Dylan Hunter, if you guys had to pick, what are your two or three favorite new cards that were first printed in 2018? Ooh. That's tough. I don't,
2: I don't even know. Teferi Hero Dominaria. Go away.
1: Really? (laughs) Oh, oh, oh.
2: (laughs) Fine card. Uh, Wonderful card. Good for the metagame. I love it. (laughs) I'm just happy Control has a win con now, and it's like actually efficient. You know what I mean? (laughs) I don't want to pearl like ancient people anymore. All right, Richard? (laughs) Tired of it. I don't want to bounce my three lands back to my hand.
0: This is, this is probably cheating, but I think my favorite group of cards from the year were the sagas. I think sagas are just super flavorful. They're really unique designs. If I had to pick one of them, oh, maybe like fall of the Thran was the one I was most excited for when it first came out. Also, uh, thousand year storm has developed into one of my favorite build around cards from the year. So
1: (laughs) I'll go with the very boring pick in the battle bond lands. No No a, no one likes good, them out. They're so a, good It's that's, like an auto In every deck And every good. time I build a deck I'm like why is this cycle Not complete Why is this cycle That is
0: the perfect Filthy casual pick Richard <laughs> You sure <laughs> yeah, I was like Hold on I'm that's gonna choose Like the
1: worm The <laughs> Grobotha <laughs> That's the filthy casual uh, pick <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: oh, oh. Moldratha oh, is my oh, favorite only card Only Spikes
1: choose Only Spikes choose Lands as their favorite card Okay <laughs>
2: Real estate is important.
1: <laughs> uh, beer of Nylea, what are your thoughts on the big 75k payout reward for MPL weighed against the lack of stability and the fact that people will be voted off the island each year? People are potentially quitting their jobs to pursue this.
0: Uh, yeah, that's a interesting topic. I think at this point, I'm in wait and see mode because we don't really know what happens to everyone that just missed out on being in the pro league, so... I think i gotta withhold judgment until we see like is there are are gold pros current gold pros and the rest of the platinums are they still going to all the pro tours is it still roughly the same sort of lifestyle as they have now or is it like if you're not in the top 32 you get absolutely nothing and we're just funneling it all into this top heavy system Uh, so i think we gotta wait and see where we get more information about how the rest of the system works
2: yeah i mean i'm i like i have i have some friends that are just like i guess gold and apparently this really messes with them like right like or not gold sorry uh bronze uh (laughs) yeah they're just like just on the cusp of anything like they, they they're not they're not getting anything from it so i'd like to see what happens to the players that aren't in the top 32
0: yeah, I think that's the the big question. It's I think it's great for the top 32. I think even if you end up getting relegated, and we don't even know how that'll work at this point, which is another reason it's hard to say much about. So I think it's good overall, but I definitely have concerns for the people that aren't in that select group.
1: Yeah, and for people in the top 32, I think... This is better because today, if you're in the top 32, you get no stability anyway. So, momentary stability is better than no stability. Uh, but it really depends on what happens when you drop off. But I feel this is not different from any other sport or esport. Like, you can get cut in the NFL, right? You can go from making money to no money one season to the next. So, there, there's always going to be some cutoff. And if you're the person, Getting pushed below the line, it, it kind of sucks, right? But I mean, you can't just have everyone uh, be in there making, you know, making the the salary, right?
0: Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I guess in pro sports though, you make so much money that in theory, do it's you worth it if anyway. if you're
1: like player player 52 on the roster and you're just special teams unit
2: guy. Like, are you really making that much money, right? You play your one season? I, I think the lowest you make is like 100k, right? Like, in the NFL, it's like even like a, I don't know, a 17th string. But that's the rest of your
1: life, right? Like, you spent the entirety of your life getting here, and once you're out of the NFL... You're just gonna be like a grocery store bagger or something, you know. Like you don't have a fallback career, right? So it's that's get, get that that hundred that hundred k is gonna get good, <laughs> last the rest of your life and your health bills, right? So it's not for that. We all get good improvement, is all I can say. <laughs> get better jeans. <laughs> yeah. Sorry,
0: I mean seventy seventy thousand. Just, I, I mean, that's that's definitely a decent job, but it's not like oh my god, I made so much money. It's yeah. like oh, like, that's that's a decent okay living ish
2: yeah yeah i mean you i guess something we can like you could look to for this kind of stuff is also like the overwatch league like the overwatch league you can try to have some like b tier teams like and they're also expanding so like, at least for esports and you know there's some solid wages from the overwatch league
1: it's uh it's the it's called the minor leagues yeah <laughs> So you, you, can, you can get like a, 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 like a league below where that's where you come up from, right? And uh, you might get yeah. relegated to the minor leagues if you're not good enough. But then you go there, you hone your skills, and you get better, and you go back up into- You just the farm major, the minor league, Basically. Yeah. The farm team. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually called the farm team, so. <laughs> uh, all right. Last question. Jared Worley, 10. Do you think Mono Green Tron is in a good place right now? I've been having a really hard time against the Green Black Rock deck. Any suggestions to improve the matchup?
0: Uh, I mean, Assassin's Trophy seems like a problem that makes that matchup a lot worse than it used to be. Although, I mean, Mono Green Tron is still putting up a lot of results, so it seems like. It's still relatively fine as far as like its tier in the metagame, even with the matchup against Green Black getting worse. So as far as improving the matchup, uh, I don't I'm not really sure. I don't I don't play enough Tron to really know the intricacies of that matchup.
2: Yeah, I mean also like it's even even if you did play it, like, what what can you really bring in to stop them from blowing up your lands, right? I mean, like what, you 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 splash blue, and then you're no longer mono-green, right? Because you can get, like, Simic Charm to give your pr- your permanence, like, what, Hexproof or Indestructible?
0: Uh, what is... Is it Sacred... Sacred Ground? What is Sacred, sacred ground. ground? yeah. There was one point where people were actually... There was a green-white Tron deck that was playing Sacred Ground a long time ago, so I guess, like, if you're Crucible. really worried about your lands getting blown up, Crucible of World, Sacred Ground is a, another option. So there are ways you can kind of make sure that you assemble Tron still, although stuff like Surgical Extraction is problematic. I guess the other thing is just to play more castable threats. I'm looking at some of the Tron decks that have been successful recently, and a lot of them are playing, like, uh, three Thrag Tusk, three Thought Knots in the sideboard and having Mm -hmm. cards that you can actually just cast, even if you don't have Tron, and taking advantage of the fact that if your opponent, like, blows up your Tron piece, you're actually ramping there, so you're like, okay, sure, I'll just play, like, Thrag Tusk a turn early or thought not to see turn early so
2: maybe that's the strategy that people are going with yeah uh i, I played against a mono green tron that had carnage tyrant out of the side <laughs> <board>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that doesn't match up great against liliana but that still sounds brutal <laughs> i'm seeing some emiracle the promise end to ends too which that's like double ramp because you get the land in your graveyard so it reduces the cost and you get a land on the battlefield that's a combo against assassin's trophy
2: <laughs> I I have Immortal Promise to end right now to the sideboard of my Esper deck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh. and on
1: that note, that'll end our fish mail. <laughs> so if you have questions, send it at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air.
0: And I think that brings us to the end of episode 204 of the Goldfish Podcast. So we will be back next week with a ton of Ravnica Legion spoilers to talk about. They start on Wednesday. So Richard, Krim, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. One more thanks to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. You can check them out at SpikesAcademy.com. Get 10% off with a cold goldfish. So have a wonderful holiday, everyone. Happy New Year. And we will be back next week. So until then, this is the crew signing out.